everyone, and welcome to episode 40 of Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinvin, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian Webster and Jordan Reed. How are we doing tonight, boys? Webb? Doing Looking unreal, that fade. Doing great tonight. Big day today. Webb got his first post-COVID haircut in a long time. Feeling good, looking good, a la Zach Morris a little bit. I'm okay with it. I, I went in, I said, give me the Zach Morris. He does look good, folks. His hair looks all right. It's a little bit Zach Morris. I feel like his left pocket has a giant cell phone in it. Other than that, um, great to be here, everybody. <laughs> Episode 40. Uh, you're ready to rock. Let's get this one going. Let's yeah. go. Let's jump right into this one. So we're we're doing a classic one. I know a lot of people have been waiting for this one. Um, we're doing Friday Night Lights tonight. So without further ado, let's get into the trailer. Gentlemen. The hopes and dreams of an entire town are riding on your shoulders. You may never matter more than you do right now. It's time. Now, if you want to win state, you're going to have to beat a team of giants, a team of monsters over in Dallas that outweigh you about 30 pounds a man. This is real sincere warfare. We're in the business of winning. Should we believe the hype? What hype? The hype about Booby Miles. Now, hype is something that's not for real. I'm all real. What's it like being the quarterback? I mean, this is a big responsibility for a 17-year-old kid. Do you think you can handle it? No, that is not acceptable. Hope so. Your dad played at Permian. What's it like to be the son of a local legend? Tell me why you can't hold on to the ball. Maybe this is hell. Hold on to football. Next question. With a ball carry. Give me just one touchdown. Just one. Hey, 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 son, come here, come here. Where are you going? You don't, you don't want me to go in, coach? You don't want a helmet? My goodness gracious. Do you want to play college ball? Do you want to get out of this town? I think so. Well, why aren't you doing something about it? We gotta lighten up. We're 17. You think it's just a game? I think you're scared just like the rest of us. I've seen you fight. I've seen you not quit. Can you give me a great effort and just a little bit more? Can we be perfect? So let's take care of it! One day when you look back at this time, I dare you to beat it. I dare you. Well, you guys know the deal. Before we uh, dive into the movie, we're going to jump into some ice cold beers. We have some some good ones tonight picked out by a fan of the show, a, a little fan of the show. Uh, but without further ado, let's get into our brew review. What are you drinking tonight, Webb? Well, boys, we're going off the cuff a little bit here tonight. So I had to call up uh, Riley and Jonesy, and they were skipping leg day as usual. And uh, you know who doesn't skip leg day is Booby. Booby never skips leg day. Anyways, although I guess he kind of does because Booby don't lift weight. It's all natural. Anyways, uh, so this week uh, we called up our friends at uh, Stack Brewing. Uh, to get a limited edition, apparently, uh, pint of the Pupper's Ale. And for any of you Letterkenny fans, you'll know exactly what a, a good Pupper's can get you. So I'm going to attempt to read this amazing can. So here we go. 
People, per, uh, people, persons, pheasants, pheasants, we proudly present the perfect pu- palate pleaser for pals, parched, proper puppers. People will be piling up pal- to partake. So pitter patter, partner, puppers, perfect. Dear Lord, I have a whole new appreciation for Jared Kessel. What a guy that, like, <laughs> what seriously. Was all that? I, that was a jumble of, I can't read. That sounded uh, like the first five minutes of Letter Kenny. It did. Uh, that, it, the can looks fantastic. Uh, like I said, these are, this is from Stack Brewing. Give him a, give him a follow. Check them out. Uh, stackbrewery.ca, I believe is their website. Uh, we haven't had this one. I haven't had this one. So I'm kind of excited to get into her. Yeah. All right. Cheers, guys. Cheers. And uh, kind of a cool story, because uh, JR, you were picking up the beers today, and we were kind of flying by, by our cuff, so it was dealer's choice. And what happened? What happened was, I was at the uh, local LCBO and in the middle of the afternoon, I was with my little guy, and I wasn't sure what to get, and he was right beside me, and he saw one with a dog on it. So, literally, I had no idea what they were until I saw them, and I was like, these are letter candy ones. And then we got these ones with the dog on it. So, cheers, guys. It's, cheers. It's fitting, too. I mean, small town letter candy. Yep. Odessa, Texas. Oh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. No lager. I see why Sparley Dan drinks so many of these things. Yeah, these are, these are tasty, actually. Mm. Yeah, better than I thought it was going to be. It's good lager. It's crisp. It's not bad at all. Yeah, Interesting. Lager. Interesting. Yeah. We'll leave it there oh. anyway. Were you going, Here you we go. I, no, right? no, no, no. It's, I mean, it's fine for what it is. I, I don't know if I'd be able to drink them all night, but it's tasty. Yeah. I like it. Not bad at all. It's much better than that squints ale that we had oh, last yeah. week. That was oh, tough that was probably the worst beer we've ever done. That's the yeah. tough one. I think so. Yeah. Hands down. So as we mentioned, we're doing Friday Night Lights, the movie, not the show, directed by Peter Berg, uh, based on the best-selling book, Friday Night Lights, A Town, A Team, and a Dream by H.G. Buzz Bissinger, distributed in 2004 by Universal Pictures, got a 7.2 rating on Internet Movie Database, and 82% in Rotten Tomatoes. Had a budget of $30 million and grossed $62 million at the box office. Music by Brian Reitzel, starring Billy Bob Thornton, Derek Luke, Jay Hernandez, Lucas Black, and Garrett Hedlund. Quick movie synopsis. Based on the nonfiction best-selling book by H.G. Bissinger, Friday Night Lights chronicles the turbulent 1988 Permian Panthers high school football season. Expectations are running high, and when star tailback Booby Miles is seriously injured during the first game of the season, all hope is lost, and the town's dormant social problems begin to flare up. It is left to the inspiring abilities of new coach Gary Gaines to instill in the other teammates, and by proxy the town itself, a sense of self-respect and honor. Let's jump into our character review, and let's start out with uh, let's start with Coach Gary Gaines, played by Billy Bob Thornton. Gary Gaines. Um, overall, I really like him. I feel like there's times with him where I didn't like him, but overall, I think he was a good human being in the ultimate pressure cooker of small town Texas football. The idea of him making more than the principal was it sixty grand at the time in the eighties. That's a pretty good chunk of change that he's bringing in, and he's making more than the, the principal of the giant of the giant high school. Um, I thought he had some great speeches. I thought he had some really good conversations when there needed to be had. He had that idea of playing the father figure, the role of that. There were a few times I know his intensity, I think, got the better of him. But when people are putting moving signs on there after a loss, that's what you're dealing with. That being said, he also signs up for this and he gladly takes the 60 grand. Yeah. 
with ideas of mobility himself. Let's be honest, okay? So there's points of him. Overall, I didn't like him. Um, I thought uh, his speech at the end, the very last at halftime, set up Coach Taylor's clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose speech. I saw a lot of undertones under that. But overall, Billy Bob, I thought, maybe I'm wrong, I didn't read into this, but it looked like he really enjoyed the role. I know mm. he loves sports. Yep. I know he loves baseball in particular. But I'm sure he loves football as well. But I think he did a really good job of taking this on and being a big star around a lot of these kids and being playing a movie star and carrying a lot of the weight and the intensity and the players fed off his intensity. And I think the other actors fed off his intensity too. His conversations with Wenchel are pretty good. Yeah. Yep. He really does a good job of manning them up. So overall, really liked him. There were a few times I didn't. But that comes with being in the pressure cooker when we all blow our lid eventually in mm-hmm. Odessa, Texas in the 80s of that of Mojo head coach. Sorry, Webby Ramble. No, no, it's all good. I, I actually i am still kind of uh, torn on, on not only the character and how he's portrayed, but Billy Bob Thornton. I'm not a huge Billy Bob Thornton fan. Uh, I just find he's very smug. And I don't know if I would like that for a football coach. Um, he just he he. They're cares. always smug. No, but he comes across in a weird kind of uppity smug way. Um, it doesn't seem overly realistic to me. He he was probably one of the most unrealistic things for this movie for me. He's not um, he's not raw raw enough. He's not I don't know what it is, but he, there's something about him as a football coach. He's not believable to me. Um, I did like I agreed with you when he's having those conversations with Wenchel trying to man him up. Um, I like those. I mean, even if it is motivated by his own self-interest, I kind of do like that he takes on that surrogate father role. Uh, I didn't like that he didn't do anything to jump in on Billingsley's dad when he just walks onto his field. For, yes. Like, there was yeah. no... Yes. Like, you, I want that coach to be a little bit more of an alpha male, and he was just too passive to me. I think yep. that's maybe what it is. It's just not believable because I can't imagine that the head football coach... You know, you got like your Bud Kilmer on one end of the spectrum and then you got this guy on the, completely on the other. Like a little too passive for me and it, and it just, it wasn't overly, I didn't believe it, I guess is what my I, I, I'm trying to get at. But yeah, and he just comes across me. You guys seen, um, <laughs> you know, when Billy Bob plays Love Act, in Love Actually, he plays mm-hmm. the American president. He just, he came across like that to me in, okay. this, in this role too. Like he just, it didn't, it didn't work for me. I don't know. I think you guys nailed it. They had two really good perspectives there. So let's move on to Booby Miles, played by Derek Luke. What a stud. Specimen. He, Webster earlier called him literally a specimen. I mean, yeah. co-host right now, Jamer. He looks great in a Booby Miles jersey. Um, even has a C on there, Permian yep. 45. He looks good. Maybe we'll throw a picture of that up later. Don't fill this up quite as well as Booby, but... <laughs> <laughs> I think he is such a sad tragic character um i love him but at the same time man just his whole the trajectory and then the decline man oh man that was sad that's a hard one that is just so hard he so much bravado and inside i know the guy who played him i mean you'll talk about that later but i thought you know the character that bravado is just a scared little boy underneath the granite he was chiseled out of yeah he this is it for him and he is a scared little boy. He's a 17-year-old kid. He's a 17-year-old yeah. kid. With not a whole lot of guidance. No. He has minimal guidance, minimal importance on education, and this is all he has. And, I mean, we've seen this narrative before, but 
he's an iconic sports character at the same time and an iconic person essentially of the be careful and stay in school and keep yourself lined up because you never know what can happen again i've talked about this on a lot of pods he's from the era of the big running back we've talked about yep. that a lot and it all runs comes through your running back so booby i have that it's just really sad yeah he's definitely a cautionary tale um and I think what bothers you, or bothers me anyways, about him is everybody in his life is trying to exploit him in one way or another. And he knows it, and he's okay with it. Uh, which is, again, even sadder in a lot of respects. Um, even LV, to a certain extent, you don't kind of really see that he loves and cares about him until the dream is now over, and then you're like, oh, gosh. Um, so, yeah, there, that, that part um, was really, really kind of sad. I like the fact that when they cast this guy and how they casted him. And I don't know, I mean, Jamer, you'd know more about this, how realistic it was, but they did a really good job at, at showing kind of the racial undertones and his, for lack of a better term, blackness, like the fact that they pair him up with like the Nike brands, like he's got like the fab five feel with like the dark socks and like the dark sneakers, Mm -hmm. but he's also rocking PE, which is like the perfect soundtrack, right? Like for that generation and that age group, you know, like fight the power and Terminator, like all those songs, like that is Chuck D just like screams like resistance and, and, and rebellion. So yeah, I thought they did a really, really good job with his character the actor that portrayed him is, like I said, a physical specimen. The guy looks jacked, um, and they did a really, really good job. Love this character. He's got some of the best lines in the movie, hands down. Yeah, James Booby Miles, the actual James Booby Miles, he was a consultant on the movie as well. And he can be seen in a f- several times in the movie on the sidelines as one of the Permian coaches. Oh, cool. Uh, uh, Very cool. Yeah, and he's... I, know, I, have, I have the DVD version, and it's the one that has, like, the special... Uh, added special fe- uh, features or whatever where they actually do like a 25 minute um, follow up with all the the actual characters like t- I don't know if it was 20 years later or whatever it was I think it was 20 years after the season or something like that they did a follow up so it was kind of cool to see all these guys and see them get interviewed like Billingsley and James Miles and all these people like that so they did a really good job and a lot of them gave like the thumbs up to the movie they were like and the book. I mean, the book came out a lot earlier. It was based on the book, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. Some people didn't like the book because the book is... Well, I'll get into it a little bit later, but the book... book's always better. I love the book. But it's a lot darker. It's a lot... Uh, well, it would make sense. And this movie's fairly dark. It's pretty as dark. It is, yes, as it, it is. is. But there's a lot more racial tensions and undertones and things that are going on. And I'll yeah, because you don't it. really see that even in the end till. I mean, when they're playing Dallas Carter, right? That's basically the only time we really see it rear its head, but... Even yeah. though it's there, right, with Booby and... For it's, sure. It's, we know it's there. You're inferring a lot of it. I mean, it's, like it's a, late 80s Texas. Yeah. Like yeah. A, yeah, and like I said to my wife when we were watching it yesterday, I just said, like, this is a more grittier Varsity Blues, right? Oh, like, yes. With, it's, it's Varsity Blues without the comedic pieces. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and then I just wanted to note, Derek Luke. So he was, uh, I remember like around this time and like maybe leading up after it, he was, he was in a lot of bangers back then in these movies. Like I think he was in, what was the one with the Navy one he was in? He was in one based on like the Navy or something. He was in some big movies. He was in Antoine Fisher. Is that the name of that movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was in a lot of different like big, big role movies at that time. I remember it was almost like he was going to be like the next Michael 
before Michael B. Jordan, but he was going to be like he's going to be that guy, that kind okay. of guy moving forward. And then he just really hit a wall or something. And he was just getting little part roles where he'd be on an episode of NCIS or something like that. You know what I mean? Like he hasn't done a lot since then. I wonder what happened there because I he killed it in this movie. I think and a lot of those movies at the time, I remember him being like a like a really good actor and knocking it out of the park. I wonder what happened. He just mm-hmm. kind of fizzled out. Yeah. Anyway. Let's move on to Don Billingsley, played by Garrett Hedlund. Oh, boy. Um, what a sad existence. Um, holy cow. Uh, I wrote a couple of things. This guy just needs a break. Um, just a sad, tragic existence. And he talked about how dark the movie is. I think this character basically epitomizes that. The Everything they're going through between him and the father, the issues on the field, off the field, the quotes, the lifestyle, you know, that's something that the whole time I'm watching this, I had this moment. I'm like, how can I go from seven days earlier watching the Sandlot right now to now watching this? Yeah. yeah. It went from everything that was right with sport to everything that was wrong with sport. Yeah. And in this one character. In this one character. Yeah. I'm like, how did this, how did you get to this? Yeah. Essentially, I mean, you know, the, between the father, the existence, the nonsense, the violence, Holy cow. Um, that's literally all I can say. This guy was, it was sad. Yeah. Super sad. Like just imagine being that kid in that time, right? And just constantly feeling like you're walking on eggshells all the time with essentially a sociopath, alcoholic, abusive dad who could snap on you at any moment for no reason. Yes. Um, it's amazing to think that somebody would be as well adjusted and as balanced as he was and um, have friends and have friends <laughs> and, and be social and, and, you know, um, just like, yeah, everything about Tim McGraw's character is so creepy. But anyways, Oof. yeah, I, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to add. The only thing, again, a believable thing or a non-believable thing. And I know I'm kind of cutting the grass in terms of segment jumping here, but how is he a captain? How's he a fullback? How is he a captain when he fumbles the ball? Like guys are going to be like, okay, one, two fumbles, sure, but you're consistently fumbling. Like no way we're going to get behind you. No, I had a note of hold on to the ball. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, And you'd think he's used to getting hit. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) tough one. Uh, The only thing I'll add is uh, just the actor Garrett Hedlund. He was another guy that was in a lot of things in a short. He's in Four Brothers. See that guy? The younger yes. one? The yeah. This one? Is he is he the Four Brothers? He, he was in yeah. Four Brothers. He was in Troy. He was in uh Tron the remake. Yeah. Uh he was in a lot of like big budget movies around that time in the you know the 2000s leading up. And he just kind of hasn't been in much. I remember he's another Troy. guy that Troy was a great movie. That was a great movie, absolutely. He's a guy that his career really took off and he's kind of just hasn't been in a lot lately. I don't know if it's him taking a break or what, but Maybe made enough bank and residuals. Happy with that or whatever. Let's move on to Mike Winchell, played by Lucas Black. Before I get anything serious on Mike, holy, those sideburns are bad. <laughs> holy cow. Told I you to shave those sideburns, Mattingly. <laughs> Hockey coach Stan Butler likes sideburns on this guy. Holy <laughs> cow. We're talking softball. <laughs> like unbelievable how can you be qb1 and sideburns like this? <laughs> um <laughs> man this guy needs to get out of that town that's all i literally put him like get out of here uh he was a again 
that dark, tragic character. The whole thing's so tragic. Everybody, the he's whole got... time I'm watching it, I'm like, this is unbelievable. I'm watching the most tragic, sad story ever. Sick jacket, though. His jacket game is yeah. great. His clothing game is great. He's a survivor, most definitely. He has to adapt. I think, you know, I'm not trying to throw a lot of cliches out there, but. Gets laid without even trying. He, his sex life is good. He's QB1. Yeah. He could have been better. Let's call it like it is, guys. This guy could have done a little better. He was QB1, but he's shy. That's okay. But overall, so sad. He's right there, not as much as Don, but he's so tragic the whole time. Watching this, I'm like, this is unbelievable again. You're just. Yeah. Sad web. I've nothing else to you say. You want to this, talk about pressure. I was this guy is under po- probably more pressure than anyone. We're at number 20. Especially when Booby goes out. Yeah. Because it's now on his shoulders. It's all on him. But like you just see how like crazy it is when he's going over the playbook with mom or whatever. And how intense it is. And the faucet's like running and dripping. Like I just started howling. I was no like, one cares. No one cares about the faucet going because the, no. they're they're going through the playbook. Like yeah. just he ridiculous. Missed the, he missed the one assignment. She lost her marbles. She's yeah. all over him. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. eggshells. Hello. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to add on him. Um, there's a, a few of these characters. They just, they get repetitive. And it, I, I almost wish I would have gotten more... Um, perspective on some other characters mm-hmm. um, like like uh, Chavo. I, I, I would have liked to see a little bit more of his I'll say outside life of football. I feel like he was... He's one of the most interesting ones in the book. He, oh, I, and see and I think they that they could, him in the movie. they could have they could have had way more on him in the movie. Yeah. Well, most of these angle. kind of movies though are always so offensive focused too. That's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? They always focus on the running back, the quarterback maybe an O-lineman, a wide out. So, like, it's, there's not a lot of focus. Chavez was from a family of lawyers. Okay. So they were like he had a fairly he had a, he was from he drives a, a sweet Camaro. Yeah, he's he, from a better he better part of town. Um, I had kind of a more stable upbringing. Okay. I mean, you still get caught up in the whole culture of this insane, you know, high school football town yes. where everything is like upside down. But it's funny though because there's normal a, as a there's only like the one comment unless I'm forgetting like. The whole racial piece, right, that we kind of touch on in the movie kinds it touches on but doesn't, you know, go all the way. You'd think there'd be more Mexican kind of yeah. hate going his mm-hmm. way, being Texas and that close to the border and everything else. But anyways. Yeah. No, it's a good point. I just wanted to mention with Lucas Black, the actor that played Mike Winchell. He's been in Tokyo some... Tokyo Drift. Yeah. Yep. I, I was about to say... He was in Tokyo Drift, and, to- and I, I'm a huge fan of, and I know it's corny, but I love the Fast and Furious movies just because they're, they're entertaining. so entertaining. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's, you know, just, I don't know, the music, the cars, you know, all the hot women and all that stuff. It's all cool. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's, like, fun to watch. The one-liners are classic, like, you know, growing up in the 80s action movies, it's one-liners. They bring back the one-liners, yeah. you know, every movie. You know what you're getting. You get Driving the cars. recipe from the 80s. Yeah. For cars movies. off cliffs and, yeah. like, oh, yeah. Unrealistic tricks and stuff. I love dom, it. Dom, And I actually think <laughs> Tokyo Drift, for me, is one of the most underrated, even though it's probably a lot of people rate it the lowest because it doesn't have the other big-name actors. Like, it doesn't have Paul Walker or mm-hmm. Vin Diesel. I actually love Tokyo Drift. I think it's a great movie. It's neat because it's just a different, different style, different, style, different 
perspective. I want to go to Tokyo on street racing. Like expensive. Yeah, like Han. Han is a cool character, right? And you don't Mm -hmm. you don't get him in any of the other ones without this one. So yeah, Yeah. no, I like it. Yep, I like them all too. That was good. And he was also in a movie when he was young called The War with Kevin Costner. It was a great movie. If you ever get a chance to check that one out, I've never seen it. This guy's done okay. He's He's been done really well. Yeah, he's also in a really bad movie that I watched. Uh, because it was a sports movie and it was on, I think it was on Netflix. It was called Seven Days in Utopia. It's a golf movie. And the kind of the quick synopsis is he's a, this PGA tour guy that has a meltdown and he's like, his, he's like, it looks like his career might be over and he, his car breaks down on the way from this tournament and, uh, Robert Duvall for some reason decides to take a paycheck for this movie. He must have been hard up for money anyway. But, and then he helps him rebuild his game to come back. And it's a terrible, terrible, terrible movie. You might have to do it one time just so it can <laughs> rip. <laughs> anyway, moving on, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, Charles Billingsley, played by Tim McGraw. Oh, well. Um, Fucking I, hate everything about this guy. Yeah, I wrote down, uh, first of all, the curves on his hat are horrible, the duck curves. <laughs> okay, you knew right away big red flag when he walked out with a mojo hat and a duck curve and it's also a big red flag let's call it like it is to all of us when you're wearing around a state championship ring from that long ago and the other fellow at the diner is too that's just weird when you wear a state championship ring around i mean i know down there it's different that's kind of a thing for them though you peak in, when you peak in high school you mean yeah, yeah you're peaking you're peaking at 17 they're, they're all wearing about. those rings for sure and i mean to us i guess in our culture our world it's a little bit so I have that uh, brutal, so much regret this guy is living with. And I wrote down creepy, as you said, Webb. Yep. Brutal. Um, those were kind of the things I thought of. You know, the crazy in our world, I guess, up here would be more like the intense hockey parent to the umpteenth level. Yeah. Um, but just flat out creepy. Tim McGraw did fine in the role. I thought you did a great job. He did awesome. He, and he it's funny because really he's in the blind side too, right? Yeah. He's the guy. Yeah. And you just compare... The job he did with that guy and then this His guy. His scale is huge. Like, oh, he yeah. can do He's a, a really lot. good actor. He was in a good movie about, I know it was kind of along the lines of what he does for a living, but it was a country music movie. I forget what a country song or something. I can't okay. remember what it was called, but he did a good job. He's a good actor. He did a really good job. I'll give him to good take act. him mentally to that place, whatever, you know, the quote unquote that place to do this role. That can't be easy. No. Because if you're a somewhat decent human being, I know you're getting paid, but like, to get yourself to play a role like that, that would take some work. Lev. That scene alone where he comes in where Billingsley's with the girl, Tapes it is so creepy yeah. and just so uncomfortable. Like, I literally was like, why did they include this? Just Is like, that where he tapes his hands to the football? I believe so, yeah. 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 Well, I like right that before, part of but it. Like, but even before that, like, oh. he's staring at this high school girl, yeah, like yeah, topless yeah. or whatever. It's just so... That part was creepy. But, so, super, super but I did creepy. like the part where he tapes his hands to the ball and like basically physically abuses him because I'm like, yeah, that that really loops. Oh, everything. it cements how much of a nut job he is. It was yeah. just yes. such an intense scene, and I just think about like for those guys acting that scene, like that. I just thought he did an excellent job of like capturing the anger and like reg- all of this feeling and anger, regret, all the stuff that builds up into him when he drinks and 
it all comes exploding out on he has some pretty cool scenes between that and then kicking the windows out in the car yeah he gets to act some of the cooler scenes in the movie yeah, like, yeah that would true. be a lot of fun and, and like props to those guys for i would be pissing myself laughing if somebody's trying to duct tape my hands yeah <laughs> yeah i would be <laughs> what are we doing playing edward 40 hands yeah <laughs> all right I, I think with tim mcgraw i think a lot of because he's a huge star huge star like in mm-hmm. his own right right like in his own field so i think for them to be acting with him in those scenes there's probably some people there that are kind of in awe of him and uh just a little bit of background on him he has a football background so he was a, like a star high school football player and i think he played college a little bit nice maybe a year or so and it might, i don't know if it was division one it was probably division three or something but he was like a legit apparently uh i had read somewhere that I think it was in the book. No, no, sorry. It wasn't, wasn't in the book. It was in uh, some review or something. And they said uh, Tim McGraw was like when the in-between scenes when they were like screwing around with, with footballs and stuff, he was by far the most talented other than like the extras they got from like the colleges and stuff nearby. But like of all the actors, he was like him and Billy Bob would throw the ball around or him and like Lucas Back or those people would throw the ball around. And he was by far the best like athlete of all of them. Uh, and just uh, one thing about, I wanted to add about him is uh, I wonder what, how much money they had to pay him uh, to take his hat off because he never takes his hat off because yeah. of his hairline, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got, he's got a, you know, he, what is he, like my old saying, he's uh, 450 in the gaps, 400 to center field. Yeah. <laughs> the power alleys. Power alleys. He's got the power alleys. He's, for he's, sure getting a little, uh, he's got a little light going on in the back dome there. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, are there any other notable characters you want to touch on? Yeah, I got one um, from the TV show too. The radio guy slamming Sammy. Oh yeah, oh, slamming no, Sammy. Slamming Sammy. Worst when you hear that. I think that the callers call it in. Yeah, that's just mass stupidity. So yeah. I would say weapons of mass stupidity. Weapons right? of mass stupidity. Like that's oh, if you're the if you're Gary Gaines, you just one of the best lines comes it. from that guy oh. too in the movie. I'm gonna save it. And then, like, just the boy, I think they should do whatever. Yeah. And then, like, here we go. Like, here yeah. we go. Yeah, if you're Gary Gaines, you're any high school football coach, you are not listening to any of that. So I got two. I've Actually, I got three. Uh, I don't want to cut Jamer's no, grass. No, but going. So I've got uh, uh, Preacher, mm-hmm. just a stud athlete. Yes. Uh, one of the best lines in the movie, too. I'll save that one. Uh, <laughs> I got him. Great character. Uh LV, who again, great, great lines, but is a, such a leech, um, hard time. Uh, love Chavo too. I, like I said earlier, I wish we would have had a little bit more on him. He's a handsome prick. He's gone on to do okay. And that's JJ Hernandez. Yeah. He's done really well. He's, He's the a, new MacGyver or whatever. Uh, Magnum PI. Magnum yeah. PI. Thank I, you. I watched, I actually, they have one season on, uh, Prime I think or it's something. on Prime. I watched it. It's a good show. Yeah, not yeah. bad. Show. It's entertaining. It's like, um, you know, if you want like a lighthearted uh, comedy action, it's, it's good. The, and my last shout out, just because the voice is so memorable and it's sticking in my head. The assistant coach, the offensive assistant <laughs> coach. Yeah, that's like he's I think so he was an actual up. coach. A oh my coach. god, he is hilarious. I got a note on it later, but I think he was an actual person. That voice coach. is priceless. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to uh John Aubrey, who played Bradley or sorry, John Aubrey, who was played by Brad Leland, who was another holdover, uh, as well as uh I won't cut JR's. You probably want to talk about Connie Britton. Yeah, sure. And Buddy I'll Garrity. let you talk about Connie Britton. Brad Leland, he was uh he plays Buddy 
Garrity in the TV show. So he was a holdover from the movie into the TV show, and he plays a sleazy kind of booster guy in this one as well. Plays himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. He plays himself. Yeah, I'll give a shout-out to uh, Connie Breton, too. Uh, Tammy, Tammy Taylor, 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 essentially. Uh, that's an iconic He's character. Sharon Not Gaines. enough Tammy Taylor in the movie. That's one of my wife's favorite no. TV characters of all time. Sharon Gaines in this. She had the 80s hair going, too. In oh, this yeah. One. Solid. Oh, yeah. She like her in Nashville, too? Yep. We've watched Nashville. Yeah. What's her name? Raina? Uh, Raina, Raina James. Raina James. Solid. I got to get into that show. It's not bad. Heard it's good. It's entertaining. It's entertaining. We liked it. Uh, let's jump into quotes. What are some of the quotes that stood out for you guys? Uh, I'll have, I have a few. I know Webb, you're ready to rock on this one. I like the one that isn't this guy, like 35. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's high school guy, yeah. right? We talked about hanging on for dear life. Party at Taylor's. Yeah, you're just like Billingsley, Tarly at Party at Taylor's. Isn't that guy like 35? <laughs> um, I've alluded to make more than the principal. I thought that was some. That was always wild. <laughs> Booby, this was sad, but I had to add it in. Can an MRI fix your knee? Yeah, oof. That was this quote to me for a movie where I'm like, <clears throat> you have no idea what you got yourself into at this point. Nope. Um, and then I don't feel 17. Yeah. That just Which sums the movie up. A microcosm. Yeah, it yep. just sums the whole that thing. could have been the title of the movie. Yep. Yeah, like I don't feel 17. You're essentially still a minor. Yeah. Basically, Web. Go ahead. Uh, so, couple of them, God made booby beautiful. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, preacher, I could knock you out in a pair of flip flops. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when love he's that going one. on, and then you you know get you go over to uh, whatever the other guy's name is there, and he's coloring in the Adidas with the black marker. Comer. Oh, Chris Comer. Comer. Uh, yeah. So Slam and Sammy has one of my favorites. You know what else it is? These boys are doing too much learning in this damn school. <laughs> yeah. I was pissing myself <laughs> laughing, <laughs> like unreal. just dying Holy laughing. Cow. I think the the. The line, and I, I feel like I'm going to cut Jamer's grass here, but I, uh, LV's got the best, his little monologue there That's where amazing. he's sitting in the stands with the coaches. Oh, yeah. So, thank Jamer. Jamer came fire here with the note, so I, I'm going to try and butcher this as best I can. How y'all doing up there? Y'all doing all right? 45, booby. That's my nephew out there. That boy can play some football. He can play left. He can play right. Down. Don't make no difference. He can block, tackle, score, touchdown, snap the ball, and kick the extra point. Hell, the boy will fill up the Gatorade cooler, walk the dog, and paint your back porch. I'm telling you, the boy can play out, uh, out playing, playing outplay football. Oh, and he can pass. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great line. That was that. the best. Oh, yeah. The scouts. All the scouts from like the 80s schools. Too, like, Notre Dame. The, the Notre U. Dame was there, too. Notre Dame, the U, uh, USC. Yeah. Those are some beauty schools that they were at. Uh, I like one on a more serious note. The perfection is being able to look your friends in the eye and know that you did everything you could not to let them down. I thought that was yeah. a great line by him. Yep. Um, and then... Billingsley has a few that I love. Like we're gonna get drunk, we're gonna get laid. We're not. We're gonna win state, but not tonight. Yeah, <laughs> that <was> a <laughs> that's a good lay. Like, how is he able to come up with these with his life? I know. Yeah. It's just like, like he, he's got to be the eternal optimist. That guy. Yeah. 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 I mean, he, like seriously. Like he's another character. He like, nailed the character too. Because if you see the interview uh, with the real Don Billingsley, and you or you read any interviews with the actual Don Billingsley, he nails them pretty well. He's That's kind of how he approached his life. He has a lot of demons and stuff. His parents split when he's young, and he spent a lot of time in Oklahoma with his mom, and then he actually got kind of forced almost to go to Permian in his sophomore year after being like a stud 
in a smaller school in Oklahoma in his freshman year. Mm-hmm. He had to come to, basically came to Permian and became a third stringer after being a freshman starter. So he was kind of pissed and whatever. But yeah, he's pretty happy-go-lucky guy. It's 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 crazy, right? Because like in the TV show too, right? Riggins is probably one of the more memorable characters in the, in the TV show. Yeah. And like clearly modeled after Billingsley. Yeah, and Billingsley like is just... He he's a he's a great character. They do a good job. I you almost want more yep. from Billingsley, right? Like I I could actually do with less Winchell, yeah, uh, and a little bit more Billingsley in terms of story. Yeah, I love how, and I mean we mentioned earlier how why is he a captain? But I think the reason he's a captain is because he's able to take. Oh, he's a glue guy. He's a glue guy. Yeah, yeah. he's an ultimate glue guy because he's he's yeah. the kind of guy that pulls Mike a, out of his. He's he a glue is. guy, but he'd be a hard guy to be like. Really? That's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'd make him a captain. No, I think I would. Would you? Yeah. He's because you know why? If I'm Coach Gary Gaines, he's the guy I I need to have that because you know I have multiple captains in football. Yeah. I need a guy where I'm like, okay, these guys need to get out of this funk. Take him out and get him going. Like take him. You need out an off the field captain. He can He's be an, an off, off the field. field. Yeah, because you got. What I mean, you yeah. got you got preacher and you got like here's Wenchel who here's five hundred bucks from the Brewster lace. Club. Go have a night. Yeah. yeah, I'd make him an off the field captain. Yeah. I don't know if I'd put him an on. He's the captain. Field captain. He's captain party. Yeah, yeah, he's captain. Well, you got a million captains in football. He's captain. That's he's captain. There's so many captains. He's captain Friday captain. night after the. He's Friday night night captain. <laughs> yeah, the after nine thirty p.m. captain. That's right. Yeah, I like Billings. I'm all right with that. You need a few of those guys. Uh, one by Winchell, where he, he says he's kind of got that kind of cloud hanging over him all the time. And he says, "You ever feel cursed, Coach? Like no matter what inside your heart, you feel like you're going to lose. Something's hanging over you, following you like a witch or a demon, and just." I feel like that all the time. When things are going good and we're winning, it's there. And when we're losing, it's there. I thought I can relate to that feeling. There's a lot of times in my career where I just felt like no matter how well things were going, something shitty was about to happen. And it's a shitty feeling to have. So I could totally relate to that. And and you can see that in the way that this character is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I thought uh, Lucas Black did a really good job of kind of epitomizing that. Um, I was just trying to see. Oh, Booby Miles! You all want to win and got to put Booby and Booby going to spin. Oh, well, <laughs> he just his trash talking his stuff. The constant his, on the sidelines. His banter with Comer like, this is wild. The, the line where he's Booby didn't lift. Yeah, this is all so natural. natural. <laughs> he's leaves. Mark Winchell. I like Bill Cosby. I'm gonna take a pudding pop <laughs> stuff it up. <laughs> oh, I got a smile. Okay. Messing with Wenchel and it would be pretty fun. Oh, it'd yeah. be amazing. Like, like, how many times did they have to do those scenes? I'd and have thought, a good time messing with him. Yeah, and his, um, I got Derek Luke's impression of Bill Cosby was hilarious. It was yeah. really well <laughs> done. He did a good job. <laughs> um, so let's uh, jump on to some little-known facts. So. H.G. Buzz Bissinger, who wrote the book on which the movie is based, and the director and co-writer Peter Berg are actually cousins. So that's mm. kind of where Peter Berg, Peter Berg had was aware of the book, obviously, but uh, he was he really he, over quite a period of time he wanted to make this into a movie, and it took a bit of time to get it going, but they were able to get it done. To gather research, producers visited real high school football games in Texas during the fall of 2003. There's a lot of back. Um, behind-the-scenes stuff that went on to kind of capture not only just just the culture of it, but also the the this football scenes, kind of the way the coaches' mannerisms were, the way they walked, all that type of stuff, the way the players interacted and things like that. So I thought they did a pretty good job of gathering most of that, like doing of, of getting that. I thought they nailed that pretty well. 
In real life, there are three football teams in Odessa that call Ratliff Stadium their home. The Permian High School Panthers, the Odessa High School Broncos, and the University of Texas of Permian Basin Falcons, which is a Division II football team. So I've actually been to Ratliff Stadium in real life. I ran, like I had, I just kind of stumbled upon it in the sense that when I was playing in Amarillo, Odessa was one of the teams in our loop. So we played the Odessa Jackalopes. And I remember like getting off our sleeper bus, like completely beat, walking out, taking our bags uh, to get ready to go into the rink and just turning and looking left. And there's Ratliff Stadium right there across from the, I think it's the Ector County Arena or whatever the place was in Odessa, Texas. It's literally across the street from the arena. It was right there. And it's just like you see that scene in the movie where they're like Cars near the end and they're out. looking mm-hmm. at all those banners on it. That's what it looks like. It's, That's it's, cool. It, it's 100% just like that. It was pretty cool. That's really neat. How bad was that hockey arena? Actually, it's a pretty good ring. Yeah, yeah, not it's ring. not bad for for the town, Odessa. Yeah. Right, and like they did, they got they packed it out pretty well, which I was surprised. I mean, it's, they don't think they play games on Friday nights. Yeah, like we were playing on like a Wednesday or something. Yeah, but yeah, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Don't there? <laughs> yeah. Texas is tied up. Yeah, they're not they're not yeah. getting many fans to a hockey game <laughs> no. in those days. Uh, the book dis- displays several instances of racism and use of racial slurs. Uh, I remember that in the, from reading, because I have the book, I, um, and yeah, there's a ton of racism and a lot of slurs and everything. It's very real in the book. Um, when the makers of the movie asked Permian High School to use all of their facilities for authenticity, the school agreed only on the terms that all the racism from the book not be included in the movie to avoid a negative image on the school and the town. So it's understandable. I mean, and this yeah, was, was 2004 as opposed to 1988. So there were yep. a lot of yes. things that changed, obviously, by then. Coach Gary Gaines said he would never have allowed a parent to yell at their son like Tim McGraw's character Charles Billingsley did during the practice. So that goes back to what you were saying, Webb. It just it was totally unbelievable. Yeah. So that was one thing that the real life Gary Gaines said when he. I don't even think he had read the book or had seen the movie, but he had been told about this, and he was like, no, never would have happened under my watch. That makes sense. Derek Luke, who played uh, high school player James Booby Miles, was actually 30 years old at the time of uh, filming, uh, even though he was being portrayed as a 17-year-old. He looked it. Yeah. <laughs> he did look like a, a 17-year-old. He looks like a grown-ass man. Yeah. yeah, who's been lifting for a long time. But yeah. I have to give them credit because – like when you see footage of James Booby Miles when he was 17, he looks like a 30 year old man. So mm-hmm. it's almost better that they cast a 30 year old for that role because that's what he looked like at that time. Anyway, fair yeah. enough. Fair. Yeah. He, the only difference is he actually had like a goatee back then or something. Like he just, he was, he just looked like a big tough guy. I was like, Holy giant crap. man. Nice giant beast. Man. Beast. He was actually bigger than what Derek Luke, like way bigger than what he was. Oh, well, like he was just, cause I think like, Booby Miles is actually like 6'2", like 240 at that time. Oh, wow. Like Derek Luke's like 5'11", probably about 190 or 200 or whatever. See, I would have pegged him taller than that. He yeah, looks he looked big. taller. I'm but at 6'1", I think, but you know what? You think about it. The guy who played Billingsley was 6'1", 200. Yeah, like... Bigger than I when thought. You, when he's like running against the kids, right? He makes it look like he's that much bigger. And then mm-hmm. guy, yeah. like in the weight room, everybody's kind of like sitting down or whatever. So it makes him yeah. look bigger. That than was a stunt is. double too when they had him running those scenes. Oh, like, really? Yeah, that wasn't Derek Luke. Derek Luke never played football. So they, they actually... Because that guy had some 
moves. He, you could tell, you can tell in a couple scenes it's not him because they actually could see the face a little closer. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's like actually like some a, of the jukes are pretty legit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That yeah. guy had some moves. Uh, the video clips used to show Dallas Carter playing the Hayes Rams was actually a playoff game between the 0203 Richardson Berkner Rams. One of the players captured uh, from the Berkner highlights was actually Akib Talib, who uh, went on to become an All American at Kansas and a first round pick of Tampa and had a nice career in the NFL. He was a mean corner. He's, uh, he was unreal. He was, uh, what's his name? Uh, who was uh, Crabtree? He was Crabtree's like. Murray Cooper too owned yeah. uh, owned Crabtree. He owned Crabtree and well, Crab- Murray Cooper was a friend yeah. of Keep Talib. He yeah. used to duck every yeah. game. Sometimes he was tough. He had a hamstring. He grabbed Crabtree's tra- chain, chain when he was a Raider. Yeah, yeah. Mar- uh, Talib, and he when he was a Patriot, he, he was rent free in Crabtree's head. Oh yeah, sure. it was a mean. So it was Richard Sherman for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so live action game sequences from the 2003 premium high school football seasons are interspersed in the film. Director Peter Berg matched the uniforms and on-field jerseys, jersey numbers for acted uh, sequences so that the live clips would blend. Game sequences were shot on location at Ratliff Stadium in Odessa and in the Astrodome in Houston. So they did a really good job of, ca- of making sure they secured those locations and also getting some realism. Got how cool the Astrodome was. Did oh, you know yeah. when I watched that, I cool. just... All I could think of, how bad would that would hurt being tackled on that turf? I thought about yeah. it all the time. I was like, that old turf would be a I mean, we've talked about this before. It just reminds me of my grandparents' front step with that yeah. fake Astro turf on concrete. The Astro Dome was cool looking. Though. It was oh, super yeah. Eighth wonder of the world. Do you know what ever think, too, of like <laughs> Warren Moon run and shoot? With oh, yeah. Ryan. I was oh, like, yeah. yeah. I don't like, know. Oh, yeah. Houston owners are good uniforms. They were sick. Yeah. Sick uniforms. So Roy Williams, uh, wide receiver. Uh, sorry, Roy Roy Williams, the safety for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, has a cameo as an assistant coach to Odessa's rival team. He played for Permian in high school as well. He hit like oh. a truck. Yeah. Yep. He threw big hits. Yep. Holy cow! Texas. Do you play for Texas? You remember the Texas thing too, didn't you? Roy Williams. Texas Longhorn. Yeah. He I, did. He I was did. gonna say he you did. remember this kind of stuff. That's like the ultimate Texas. He played for Permian Odessa, UT. Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. That is Pretty in unreal. Texas, like the trilogy of Texas football. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Good for you, really. So Billy Bob Thornton and Lucas Black also appeared in Sling Blade in 1996 and All the Pretty Horses in 2000. Sling Blade is a great movie. It is. I don't remember that movie. Oh. If you don't like Billy Bob, you got to check him out, at least in that movie. It might change your, your opinion. Like, All right. If he didn't win an Academy Award, he should have. I do like him in Bad Santa. Check him out in Tombstone. And then after you watch Sling Blade. Tombstone? He's great in Tombstone. Where is he in Tombstone? I he's like remember. the guy that Wyatt the Earp throws out of the... Um, he's the guy... He's a card dealer, sorry. And oh, Wyatt yeah, Earp yeah. throws him out of uh, the saloon because right. he's mouthy. Wyatt oh, around. that's right. Okay, yeah. 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 Okay. He's good uh, in it. Yeah, Kurt Russell does beat the shit out of him. He was a chameleon early in his career. He played a lot of different characters. But in this movie, Sling Blade, he's incredible. After you watch the movie, then you have to go on YouTube and look up Sling Blade Starbucks drive-thru. There's this guy that does this amazing impression (laughs) of him. And and I don't want to spoil it, but you got to check it out. I'll remind you of it. (laughs) So, uh, um, director Peter Berg turned to actual Permian high school coaches to portray assistant coaches and deliver the lines in the movies because he was originally had some actors in place and they just were they weren't it just wasn't passing as real it's a smart idea yeah Yeah. just get the guys you get the lingo you get the proper the intensity yeah that like that that guy that was 
yelling at him. That's that's. I think he was one of the real coaches. That's on field intensity. Yeah. yeah, and they would just it would just be normal. Yeah, go they, wouldn't, they wouldn't be acting. They would just be missing an assignment. You probably okay. wouldn't have to pay them yeah. as much. You know. Yeah, no. exactly. Alan Graff was the football coordinator on the film. So Graff played football at USC in the 70s as as an offensive tackle where he started three years for the Trojans and was a national champion in 1972 when they went undefeated. That's 1970. Might be Hornthal. It might be. Uh, I don't think it was, though. I think OJ was the 60s. Okay. That 1972 USC team had 33 NFL picks, including five first-rounders, Lynn Swan being the most notable. Oh, my gosh. Unreal. Two years later, be Marcus Allen. Yeah. He was the USC Trojan as well. After this successful 1989 Permian football season, which we kind of see at the end in the credits. Mm-hmm. They say that they won the, uh, the state championship. Head coach Gary Gaines left Permian for an assistant job, uh, coaching job at Texas Tech University, just two hours away from Odessa. Gaines would go on to recruit and coach future NFL players such as Zach Thomas. But 20 years later, Gaines would return to Permian as the head coach once again and also serve as athletic director. And the team went 8-4 and four in his first season back. He officially announced his retirement from coaching following the 2012 season. Pretty cool that he was. Wow. So while this was going on, he was either at Texas Tech or back at Permian. So, so he, because this was 2004 when this movie came out. So he had a long career. Long career for him. Mm-hmm. Very Holy cool. Cow. I wonder what it'd be like to go from like yeah, you're Texas Tech, you're at a big time D1 school, and then you're going back to high school. Although this Permian, man, but you're the head coach. You're the head coach, but per- and- Permian's another level because. Like this stadium, like when you go, when you actually see the stadium, it like dwarfs mm-hmm. like Ri- even Richardson oh, Stadium. Oh god, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's huge. It's twenty thousand fans. Like, yeah, it's massive. It, it would be quite a move, though. and it's packed. It, uh, yeah, they, yeah. But if you're like going god. back after a, one a state championship, and you're coming home, that kind of thing. Yo, yeah, you're gonna be god. They're gonna home. pay you. They're not gonna be in your office god. trying to tell you how to run the offense. No, anymore. that's they're definitely. Be, they're not. gonna be buying you coffees and buying you beers and taking you out for yeah. dinner yeah. and all that stuff. So, yeah. Um, in re- so, in reality, the 1988 Permian High School Panthers lost to Dallas Carter in the state semifinals, not the finals. Carter did go on to win the state championship, but was later forced to forfeit its entire season when it was discovered that an academically ineligible player had been allowed to play after his grades were changed. There is an ESPN 30 for 30 on this called What Carter Lost. Jesse Armstead, who was the linebacker, NFL All-Pro linebacker, was a star linebacker on that Dallas Carter team that year. Fellow D1 recruits Derek Evans and Gary Edwards asked Armstead to join them and others in a series of robberies of video stars and fast food restaurants, but he refused. In September 1989, Evans and Edwards were sentenced to 20 and 16 years respectively in prison. Pretty intense. Good choice. The decisions you make, eh? He was a stud, though. I remember Jesse Armstead. He was tough. He was really good. Yeah, he was really good in the NFL. Uh, In the movie, James Booby Miles gets injured in the season game against Midland. Uh, In real life, uh, Miles was injured in a preseason scrimmage against Palo Duro High School. Chris Comer was actually a lot better in real life than depicted in the movie as well. So Buzz Bissinger wrote another 34-page afterward book called after Friday Night Lights, which I've read this book as well, in which he and Booby Miles discussed their long-standing 25-year relationship. It was a really good uh, quick read because it really, I mean, there was, there was 
things that came out where you got to see interviews and stuff after. And I know on the DVD they have a 25-minute interview or like follow-up with all the players and stuff. But this one was focused on Booby, and you really got to see really in-depth into what he was experiencing at the time and also his life after. So the author is... Is he writing from whose perspective? Like for that book, it's mostly just kind of like interviews and like was he a player on the team? I'm no, I'm, no, he was. Uh, he was a guy. He's actually from New York. He was like okay. a writer for the Post or something. And he and uh, I think it was just like a he had heard stories about or he was in, interested in Texas football. Just so he decided I'm going to take or he got his editor to let him like just go for like a year and follow his team around and write a book Jeez. about it. So that's what that's how wow, this came that's about. So hard. He went out here to write about like the culture of Texas football, and then when as he was going through it, he's like, "This is a lot. This is a, a more about the culture of and socio issue, social issues that are going on in America." Yeah, yeah. He unlocked a a lot, a lot story. of things. It was yeah. actually really cool. It's a good it, like the actual book, the best selling book, is actually really good. This little afterward book was really good too because it just kind of dove into Booby's life a little bit more. Um, as of June two thousand eighteen, Booby Miles lives in uh, Coparis Cove, Texas, with his wife Becca, and is working for Jack Welch Recruiting. So he's back involved in football now. He was, I think, he was working for like a truck driving company for a while. He was kind of had a rough go for him. He had four kids, and he was estranged from his first girlfriend or wife or whatever. But I think his life's kind of back on track now. And Booby Miles is a cousin of Denver Broncos star Von Miller. Oh wow, kind of an interesting. Thing. How you like Von Miller, there, uh, Raiders guy? He's been a terror for a yeah. long time. He's very good. <laughs> he's always there. Always very good there. football player. When in doubt, he's 58 is there. <laughs> uh, last thing I wanted to mention, I know this has kind of gone on a little bit long, but the real-life Brian Chavez graduated from Harvard cum laude and received his law degree from Texas Tech. But then he moved back to Odessa and started going to Permian football games with one of his old teammates, longing for his old glory days on the field. One day, angered by a historic uh, Permian loss in a heated rivalry game, Chavez rounded up a posse, broke into the house, uh, broke into a house party, and started brawling with the attendants. His motivation was that his ex or his girlfriend's ex-husband was at the party and had been fighting with her over the phone while Chavez was trying to watch the game. Chavez was eventually forced to plead guilty to bur- burglary intent to commit assault and had to settle lawsuits with the victims. Although he avoided jail time, he did have his law license invalidated by the Texas State Bar. He has since turned his life around, but this incident had ultimately proved that the pull of Permian High School football was too much for even the smartest and most grounded player to escape. Just stupid. So sorry, he went to Harvard for his undergrad yeah, yeah. and then thought, hey, I can do better and go to Texas Tech for my law degree. He probably his family dies to Texas Tech. His his family, his father and brother run a law practice back in Odessa. I don't know know about you, but I feel like if you have a Harvard law degree, you can pretty much get uh, stay out east. Anywhere. Anywhere. Oh, you have a Harvard law degree? Would you like to practice in Tokyo, Japan? Okay. Yeah. Another another tidbit about Chavez is he actually was recruited to play football at Harvard. That's how he received us like an academic mixed, okay. mixed ac- like yeah. They don't do athletic scholarships in the Ivy Leagues. They but they he went to school for free because of academics and uh, financial bursaries. That's what they do with their athletes. Um, so anyway, he went there to play football and he lasted one season because 
uh, and he had stated this in, in the book and the afterword of the book was, uh, when he got to Harvard, it w- it didn't compare the, the fanfare and the celebrity and stuff didn't compare even close to what it was like playing at Cormier. Of course, nobody cared. Of course not. No. And you've Unless been at Rowan crew. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, it, the luster wasn't there for him. He felt like the players didn't take it as seriously and, and he decided to quit after a year. You're in Boston. Yeah. You're yeah. like, like, you're pretty far down the sports rung playing football at Harvard. I mean, it's a great, yeah. Even the, even the Patriots had, had Tom Brady not gone there, like, Let's call it Boston. Boston's a baseball town first. Yeah. Then the Bruins, probably, and probably, the Celtics. Yeah. Celtic. I mean, there's a lot of sports. Yeah, like it's Boston a tough College, one. Boston University, I mean, Harvard. There's so many sports. In yeah. And if, it, if you're going to talk about college football, it's going to be Boston BC. College. BC. Yeah. Yeah. BC football. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Harvard's not getting a sneeze. So, no. Love you, Ryan Fitzpatrick, but yeah. I don't know. Let's jump into a realism view. What was realistic and what was unrealistic? Alrighty, so some of the stuff we've talked about a little bit um, for uh, unrealistic. I had a few things like Permian makes the playoffs on a coin flip, which is weird. <laughs> okay, that's weird. It actually did happen. It makes then, I know it makes happened, no sense with like, three teams. It's just three, weird, yeah, yeah. But then like it's a shitty way the games. I'm like, did they get a home game out of this? And it shows like their march to the finals. I'm like, you made it as a coin flip you are not a favored going in the playoffs they were built up like they're this how giant favorite how about this where the hell is midland lee in this whole bracket <laughs> yeah they, were, they beat them they were the they regular season they're the rival they're not even in the bracket so i wondered that right away i'm like how like i know there's not enough underdogness to it no you're making it on a coin flip yeah. like you're they the sh- underdog but you're going road from here out you're not playing home games you're going straight road games Anyway, I know, whatever. Take it for what it is. Um, the other things I had was, you notice the name on the back of the jerseys in the final? You didn't see names. It was very like Notre Dame, yes, BCS-like. Yeah. Um, going to the final, the names on the back of the jerseys. I'm sorry, but that Dallas Carter coach with a lollipop smack that thing <laughs> out of your mouth. No proper person has that in their mouth. I don't care who you are. Fourth and, fourth and everything just going for it. I was disgusted with a lollipop in his mouth. You smacked that thing right I feel out like of his the gr- I feel like the grumpy title has just been I'm passed. sorry. Did you touch him on the shoulder and put your grumpy name? I, I, I was going to say. That drove I'm me nuts when I saw that. I was like, how do you have a lollipop? <laughs> yeah. Good luck moving up in the world. Good luck trying to get a college coach. Hey, <laughs> hey Lou Holt, like, or Eddie Lou Holt, big coach at the time or anybody. Yeah, this guy, let's get the Joe guy lollipop. Joe Who would you rather hire? That guy or Coach JB Jason Brown from uh, oh, I'm going that Independence. Guy. At least that guy's a winner. Independence, <laughs> Independence Mo or whatever. In, have Mo, you have Mo you ordered Parker? his whiskey yet? Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> I'll take a hangover for two hundred dollars. You'd sit in the hot tub with him. I'm yeah, good. That, that hot tub has Coop, bromine in it for the last ten years. Um, so yeah, the lollipop boys drove me bananas. I did not like seeing that. Um, Wenchel covered in blood. At what point, like, are we like, okay, I did let's say, get changed up in here. I had that in my notes, too. Yeah, where you're it's covered like, in blood. Like, they're not only that, like, they're wearing that, like, when guys are, like, Kicking like, the helmet at them. When their faces are just, like, completely covered in blood, I'm like, where are you getting covered in blood? From? Yeah, you have a yeah. mask on. 
Sorry. Well, they are playing to the Astrodome turf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, your knees and chin, and but like he's just coated in. Oh, and another thing, let's go there. Zebras roughing the passer once in a while here. These oh, hits are yeah. so late. I'm like, this actually, yeah, that's nonsense. There's a lot. So of those were some of the things. I Wait, know your your questions. This is the worst officiated football game on the history. This yeah. is worse than the Tuck Jr. Okay, he bounced one into him and it was called a catch. It is true. It's very true. true. So there was a lot of different things I had to take. Those are some of the main ones. The real, um, the, the intensity I liked. I thought they did a really good job Mm -hmm. matching the intensity. We talked about using coaches, previous coaches. They did a great job. And you could tell that just them on a Friday night yelling at somebody for missing an assignment. Um, I liked, like we talked, you already talked about the stadiums. I loved all that. So I thought they did a great job of bringing the football culture into it. As dark and sad as this thing is. Anyway, um, one last thing. I don't believe Wenchel is a QB one. I'm sorry, boys. No, I don't have buy. I'm not buying it. Too small, too weak, not strong enough. Your arm isn't yeah. good enough. It's actually, out. he's he's too short. Like he's, he's at, Mike Winchell in real life was actually taller. Like and was, I the, that look. I love the job by the actor, but I'm sorry, Web. Anyway, I rambled on. Go ahead. No, nope. I was gonna say I don't. Uh, you you hit the head on everything. The for sale signs on the lawn after the first loss is pretty hilarious. Yeah, amazing. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. Um, we talked about the coin toss being stupid. Uh, the whole Texas football culture being over the top again, uh, pretty accurate. Uh, I think this movie does a better job than a lot of the movies, though, in terms of the actual football. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks realistic to me. Yep. Everything about it, even the hits. There were some big over the top hits. The but first then, like practice montages were really good. Yeah, yeah they were. Yeah. Um, but even the over the top hits, you think about it and you say, okay, they're high school kids and blowing each high school other kids up. are <laughs> trying to blow each other up every <laughs> yeah. single play. So, you know, uh, it was realistic to me in that sense. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't have anything that jumps off the page other that is totally unrealistic other than the, the stuff that you kind of already mentioned. And the fool with a lollipop. Yeah. I mean, I, I already mentioned it earlier, but they don't do a good job of showing all the racism and socioeconomic issues of Texas during 1988. But that, there was a reason because of that, obviously. Um, I mentioned a little bit uh, about Comer, Chris Comer, uh, who we hear a lot about secondary in the movie after Booby goes down and like he emerges like miraculously and the coaches are blown away about how he can be a decent running back. And I'm like, no, he actually was good in real life. And he was a year younger. So he was a junior at the time, but he was, uh, he was good. He was so good that as a junior, and this was talked about in the book, it was planned that even though Booby Miles had a good year as a junior starting, uh, Chris Comer was, they were going to be splitting touches as, uh, during Booby's senior year. So there, there oh, was wow. already a plan that, that he was Comer was already player. emerging and, mm-hmm. and he was, they were going to basically be splitting touches that year, at least in the early going. Um, so, so Comer was legit. He wasn't the third string guy. So Bill, Don Billingsley was actually the tailback and Booby Miles was the fullback in real life. Because uh, in real life, Don Billingsley was a lot smaller than Booby Miles, mm-hmm. even though in the movie they make Garrett yeah. Hedlund a lot bigger than Booby Miles, and they make him. I don't. I wonder why they decided to do that. I think it's more because now, back then, actually, like it wasn't uncommon for fullbacks 
to kind of get more touches and be more of a ball carrier. Now it's just like they just block, right? I think it looks like that like subsidiary role to him kind of thing. You're opening up holes or you're like yeah. doing the job to set up booby for the big runs or you're blocking, you know, you're taking out a linebacker essentially. Yeah. That's Mike, your job. Mike Allstott. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was more of a, he had a couple thousand yard rushing seasons, right? Guys true. Like that. A lot of touchdowns. Um, Fullbacks, he's got a lot oh, of touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, goal line. And uh, Chris yeah. Comer was actually the backup fullback at the time, even though he was splitting some touches with Booby mm-hmm. in, in real life. Uh, in 1988, it was Billingsley's first season as starting tailback. And in the season opener, he fumbled the ball twice, just like they kind of show in the movie. Uh, and the offense shifted more carries to Chris Comer. Uh, this was after Booby had already been hurt. So that's when... Comer became the feature back. Uh, this created a rift between Billingsley and Comer. Billingsley is portrayed in the book as being super racist, and he stated that he has read the book and actually loves it. Says that he was actually a prick back then and regrets a lot of things that he did, uh, but he's grown and changed and bettered himself, and it's part of his growth that he says, that's who I was, and I was wrong, and move mm-hmm. forward. So he seemed like a pretty good guy in a lot of interviews, even though he's a prick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's all I had. Let's jump into the soundtrack. Music was composed by Brian Reitzel, an American uh, musician, composer, and record producer, uh, who's known for some work on film and TV. Reitzel collaborated with Texas-based post-rock band Explosions in the Sky to score the majority of the film. Webb, take it. Go for it. <laughs> you guys aren't going to contribute anything to this, no? Oh, you got it, man. I oh, like poison. This is your jam. I like poison. <laughs> So the scoring of the actual movie and the placement of the songs, let me start here before I go crazy. So we were talking about this before we started recording. When Jamer talks about how Rudy is like his soundtrack, this is my go-to. If I need to get shit done, I throw this one on and I go to it. Uh, I love writing to this one, especially when I'm doing stuff like, you know, report card writing or what have you. Uh, this one is a go go to explosions in the sky. Great, fantastic band. Uh, I love the fact that they are Texas, um, and they so it, it's a it's probably the first soundtrack we've done where they actually kind of hit the head on the 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 nail there to get a band from the town from the area that they're supposed to be representing. They're actually from Midland, Texas. Ooh. So Midland, Ooh, like that doctor, yeah, Midland Crooked doctor. Uh, so yeah, so. Uh, huge, huge fans of Explosions in the Sky. The the scoring in the movie itself, anytime, like I love the fact that they put on Iggy Pop uh, and the Stooges uh, and Dog in that series where they put it on. It was perfect. I talked about this earlier with Public Enemy being like kind of boobies, you know, like inner monologue soundtrack, what have you. Like it was just really, really well done. This is a, a classic soundtrack for me. It might it's up there for me in terms of like probably one of my favorite all time movie soundtracks. And just, uh, regardless of whether it's a sports movie or not, it's up there in terms of just a cool, cool soundtrack. Nice. Yeah, so I, really, yeah, I, I, I didn't want to go too, too. To I didn't want to geek out too hard. Oh, no, you can it. go. Yeah, you can geek out. Long. That was perfect. Yeah, I know. That was awesome. Um, let's jump into our wrap up. Where does this movie rank among all-time sports movies, and where do we rank among all-time football movies? Sports movies, uh, somewhere top 35 for me. Um, I have watched it. I've watched this movie a lot of times in bits and pieces. I was telling you guys earlier, like, I'll put it on while I'm working out or something. I'll be like, okay, and then I'll work out and then go back and watch it. Um, Football movies, oh boy, top six. 
mm-hmm. somewhere in the top six for me. As sad as it is, it is captivating. Oh, yeah. It holds it. And yep. that themes hold. Mm-hmm. And we see the themes today. Um, and, you know, it's an older movie now. But, like I said, the themes hold for me. And it is, there's something about it that keep, keeps me coming back to watching. And as sad as it is, the whole time I watch it, I'm like, holy, after an hour and 57 minutes, I'm like, good heavens. Anyway, yeah, that's where I'm at. I'd say football, it's probably three or four. Mm-hmm. Um, remember the Titans, Rudy. This one, Varsity Blues, are kind of interchangeable depending on my mood. Right. Um, I love, like I said, I, I love the soundtrack in both of those movies. There's mm-hmm. th- for Great different soundtrack. reasons. Um, so there's that. I think the thing with this movie now, watching it, this is the first time I'd watched it after watching the TV show. Mm-hmm. And the TV show is just, they do such a great job with the TV. One of my gripes about the movie is that there's not enough Tammy Taylor. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like she's so, Connie Britton's so good. And I love and, Coach Taylor. And, Coach and, Taylor's and awesome. And Coach T and Riggins and like Sarazen is more believable. Like yeah. the TV show, and it makes more sense, right? Because of the longevity of the TV show. Exactly. You would get into these characters more and all that I totally get, but I feel like in just so many ways, um, it didn't live up to that to me in, in trying to watch it. And so I had to keep that in mind as I watched. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think in terms of overall football, it's probably the most realistic one we've done. Um, it's way better than, you know, that stupid Al Pacino one that I can't see. Hey, say. now, any given any Sunday. Given yeah, enough yeah. of that. I like any that Any given movie. penis walking around yeah, for watch two hours. Way too long of a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Carrie's a great haircut or not. Yeah. <laughs> I got a concussion watching that movie. Yeah. Um, Whatever. It was just, there's like so many. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, it's up there for me. Um, but, yeah, I, I, in terms of overall sports movies, I'd say probably in my top 30. I tend to learn, I tend to really enjoy football movies yep. and sports movies, um, yep. so I'd say yeah, probably my top thirty. I've got it at number three in football, and I have it at number fifteen in all-time sports. Nice. Yep. So I got it pretty high. Let's uh, jump into our draft tonight. So, in honor of a sad story about Booby Miles, we're going to do a draft about stud running backs whose careers were derailed by injuries. Mm-hmm. Jared, do you or who's up this week? I went, went first, first pick last, last week. week. I did. You did. You want first pick, yeah, uh, You take. First I think. You take I first think you pick? should take it because I think we all know who you're going to pick. Okay. I, if he doesn't take this person, I'm going to. I'm going to beat him over the head of the mic for me. Uh, none other than uh, his poster is still in my weight room at my house. Of course. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. He is about to give a straight arm to Bruce Smith. <laughs> he has some blood on his wrist and the most intense eyes ever. I've watched him play baseball. I watched him hit a triple one time and I watched him around first base. And I've never seen a person explode with so much speed in my life, how fast he was. So I never saw him play football live, but I saw him play baseball live multiple times. Uh, Vincent Edward Jackson, otherwise known as Bo Jackson with that darn hip injury against the Cincinnati Bengals that derailed his show. There's nobody on Tech Mobile who was better. Okay. I, <laughs> probably my favorite Raider of all time is Bo Jackson. Well, And I think he's probably my favorite 80s and 90s athlete of all time. Might be the greatest athlete of all time. I have that giant poster in my weight room too of Bo Knows where Bo has all the, all the sports. sports on. I have it. I remember that one from the old house. Yeah, I still have. That's right. Yeah, I, I still have it. From the it's old there. Yeah. Ooh. Are we going with injuries specifically <clears throat> or just cut short oh it could be anything okay if we're going just cut short uh i think i gotta go barry sanders 
Oh, yeah. I mean, he left full on knowing that he could probably break all the rushing records. Yes. Um, if he played maybe one, two more years at the most. Um, so I'm going to go, yeah, I, I, I got to go with Barry Sanders. I know he wasn't technically hurt. He just kind of walked away. But you're playing there behind some, that terrible offensive line in the shitty team. How many years can you go nine and That's seven what I mean. on the Lions yeah. back then? He like, made them, willed them to nine I mean, look at Apple I'll, and Megatron. Take, I was going to say, I'll take Megatron's injuries and I'll just transplant them onto Barry Sanders. And, and, and I mean, Barry Sanders was so fun to watch. Crazy. He was. Well, the, uh, who was the coach? Uh, Chris Verbe used to call him Rasputin. Wayne Fountz. Wayne, Wayne Fountz. Rasputin. He used to call him. Yeah. I'll go with Barry Sanders. So I've got two now. I'm actually going to go with two guys from my childhood era of collecting uh, cards. And uh, it was right around the time when I started getting into collecting football cards. And I remember classic, classic sports cards was like pretty cool stuff back then. Like you'd get the draft picks and all that type of, type of stuff. Right around 95, 96 is when I started collecting those. So here's a couple. I'm going to start with one guy who was actually the first overall pick in the 1995 NFL draft following a stellar collegiate career at Penn State. On his third carry of his first career preseason game, he tore his ACL and was forced to sit out the entire rookie campaign, and he was never quite the same. He played four seasons with the Bengals, averaging about three yards per carry over that span, scoring only 16 touchdowns before one season with Washington and finishing kind of a sad career with New Orleans in 2003. Key Jana Carter, I remember, remember that Carter guy? Was good. He was unreal. He was really good. He was really good. He was a stud, I remember... Getting having getting his pulling his card out of a pack and being pumped because it was like in the Beckett guide it was like three or four bucks at the time which is colossal. <laughs> yeah, second guy I want to grab is uh, another guy who was a stud uh, back then. Uh, won the Heisman. He was the twenty first overall pick from the Bears in the ninety same draft ninety five draft. Um, as a rookie rush, he had a huge year. He actually was the youngest player in NFL history, still is, to rush for over a thousand yards, scored 10 touchdowns. Uh, however, uh, in his second year, injuries piled up and, and he ended up having a kind of a tough bout with depression. Uh, and then he was out of the league in three years. Um, sadly, uh, Rashan Salam, you remember him? That was mm-hmm. much of a stud he was. He took his own life in the, on December 5th, 2016. So, Colorado Buffalo. Yeah, he was he was in that documentary with mm-hmm. uh, the the Gospel According to Mac. That was a good doc. Is he with like Cordell Stewart's teams back then, Westbrook, or before them? Might have been before. before. It was before, before. Eric Bieniemy was Eric there. Bieniemy. That was the other Colorado. He was running their back. Uh, running back. Yeah, and they had that quarterback who was a stud that Cordell got Stewart. cancer and died. That's right. Yeah. Colorado would be a great place to play college. Oh yeah, Boulder. Well, that'd be fantastic. I've been to Boulder. It was nice. Back to me. Back to Webb. Oh, I'm going to take this one just for JR. I'm going with uh, Super Bowl winning tailback for the oh, Denver Broncos. <laughs> I'm going with Terrell Davis. Oh, yeah. Definitely. He has one hell of a bowl of chunky soup, too. <laughs> if you play for Mike Shanahan, you get hurt as, co- as a running back. That's Let's call true. Oh, he works he as running back. worked running So back. does Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle doesn't work uh, defense in the fourth quarter. So oh, sorry. That's low. Anyway, sorry about that. Keep the gloves up. Yikes. Sorry about that. Anyway, um, that was for your dig earlier. So <laughs> now we're even. So, all right, come back to me. So there's lots of picks out there. Um, I'm going to go with one. I I actually forgot about him. I was doing a little research today. He played for the New England Patriots. Um, I think he's from Georgia. 
His name was Robert Edwards. Yeah. He was a very good back, and he got hurt playing in a all-star game, like beach game, defending a pass. He tore his ACL, MCL, PCL. He got hurt on the beach. He almost lost like his foot and leg. Yeah. He came all the way back and did play, but he was a shell of what he was. And that is one where you're like, holy cow, that did not need to happen. Played and the CFL think about too. what he could have won had he maintained his health oh, and God, worked yeah. with Brady, a young Tom Brady, in that O-line. Oh, oh man. I remember him. My hmm. last pick, I kind of just thought of it now, was a guy who had a fantastic career in the NFL for a really long time. But I still wonder what if... What if Willis McGee didn't blow out his knee playing for yeah. the U against Ohio State? I have nightmares about that knee injury where his knee went backwards. Like, what yeah. if? How good could he have actually been? He was a bill jammer. I, I own two. No, I own more than that now. But I first he was really good bill too. First, he was fantastic. First bill jersey I ever owned was uh, McGahey? Willis McGee. And I remember I was at uh, I was at Ralph Wilson Stadium for my first Bills game, and we were piled after the. It was like almost like sleet. It was like, you know, those first games. It was the first game of the year. It was so cold. We were so drunk. We were like falling asleep in the stands. Me and Drewski were at the game. And I remember this guy behind, everybody was just getting mad and yelling at each other in the stands just because everybody's hammered. And this guy started screaming at me because I was wearing a Willis McGahee jersey. <laughs> and I turn around, he's wearing a Drew Bledsoe jersey. And Bledsoe <laughs> was playing for the Cowboys at the time. <laughs> You're mad at me because I'm wearing McGahee jersey because he plays for Baltimore now. And you've got Dallas Cowboy, Drew Bledsoe, who was like not even a great quarterback in Yikes. Buffalo. Like, come on. To Yikes. listeners out there, you haven't experienced a football game until you've gone to a football game at Rich Stadium in Orchard Park, New York, yeah. with those metal bleachers. And it oh, snows. God, it could yeah. be September freezing. And you and always get somebody cold. that dumps a beer on you and you're even oh, colder. Yeah, yeah. Just Somebody count on it. And then you got to go, p- back, and and then you gotta go piss just, like, in the trough. Just count on it happening. Yeah. Don't even wear nice clothes and just count on it. But that being said, everyone has a soft spot for Buffalo. Yeah. This no, is true. You're, that was a good Always. pick. I had him on my, on my list too. All right. Last one? Yep. Uh, I never actually saw this guy play, but I'm pretty sure they did a 30 for 30 on him. So I, I remember it being kind of like one of those cautionary tarots. Earl Campbell, they did yeah. a great 30 for 30 on him. And so I, I'm going to go with him as my last pick. Just... Some uh, pretty cool stats. Uh, this one article I'm looking at in particular, like cut short, like only like played like five or six years. My dad told me stories of him playing for Houston yeah. Oilers, just bowling people over. Yeah, like, like they used to run into like Pittsburgh, Houston used to play, and like all the time in the conference finals or whatever it was. Yeah, and like it'd be like Mean Joe Green and all Lambert and all those guys yeah. against Earl Campbell. Yeah. yeah, and he would just bash into them. He was kind of like I don't know. Like, I guess there's no, I don't know a comparison. To that what was there, the but. school that he played at in uh, college? Texas. Was it Texas? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember. I vaguely remember the 30 for 30, but I remember watching it and enjoying it. 99% sure he played for Texas. Yeah. Okay. My last pick I'm going with, uh, if you guys remember this guy, Cadillac Williams. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. Pernell Cadillac Williams. He was a stud. Like, he was rookie of the year. He rushed for over 1,000 yards. And then uh, after that, that was kind of his high point. Uh, He tore his left patellar tendon uh in the next season during the fourth game of the season and was out for the year and then he came back the next year and tore his right patellar tendon oddly Crazy. um and just was never the same after that but he was he was pretty sick coming in remember auburn had him and ronnie brown and sometimes they didn't play a quarterback yeah it would just yeah. be snapped back to one of them yeah, and yeah. Then ronnie brown could throw one was a lefty one was a righty and they would throw passes. It was just like, this is insane. <laughs> well, awesome. and then didn't Brown get drafted with the Dolphins? Dolphins. And, they, and they try to do a lot of that wildcat shit? 
they beat the Patriots. They were the first team to do it. That's true. They had Ricky Williams and Ronnie Brown, and they wildcatted. Ricky Williams could have been another one we left yeah, off this totally. list. Yeah, it totally could have been on this list. For Although sure. it was funny. I was thinking about that, and today I was on the Instagram, and the feed came across, and it was like a Sports <laughs> Illustrated story, and Ricky Williams has a new cannabis line out. Yeah, he's doing all right. Yeah. Yeah, he's so, cool. Like, I really cool. like Ricky Williams. Tell them where to hit us up, Web. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening engaging with us on social. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. And please continue to engage with us on Twitter at Big League Flicks, on Instagram at Big League Flicks Pod. You can also hit us up on TikTok. You can check out Bruce the Dog and Puppers the Dog. Go get yourself a Puppers. Get yeah. a Puppers. Fire one in, yeah. uh, And check out some of the great content we've put out on YouTube. Take Absolutely. care, everyone. Have Take a great care. one. All right. About sports and the glitz and the glamour Got a cold beer pairing for the leading lady staring Fun facts and trivia and man rocket comparing Soundtracks and music, they'll rate all these things Was it real or did they lose us as the fat lady sings? Talking junk, have a giggle, comedy, drama, romance Did the film deliver six to noon in my pants With their big bag of tricks, these podcast critics Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks Jordan Christian and Jammer